This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. Hey everyone, <laughs> I guess we're having some technical difficulties tonight and we're all on the struggle bus. We're all <laughs> running late and I'm having like these cramps in my toes. So like it's, I don't know if you ever had a Charlie horse in your toe, but it's excruciating. So wow. everybody just we're on the struggle bus today. So just bear with us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we got Charles, my, my friend my homie i love charles is with us lc is guest hosting with us tonight what an exciting thing i know i'm 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 feeling blessed you guys and jason's coasting from his car (laughs) (laughs) it's tripping right yeah yeah it's great Let's put the disclaimer out there. <laughs> yeah, Things you see here may not be <laughs> legal. <laughs> uh oh. I'm not I'm not looking at the screen though. I'm just driving. Right. All hands but free. You, All good. Yep, but y'all can see me, but I can't mm-hmm. see you. It's all good. Hands Let's free. Go. We're good to go. Oh yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So, what's up? How's everybody doing today? Uh, spend the day from hell, but <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> Wonderful. Tremendous. Yeah, I heard. I heard a little bit from you know backstage that uh, you had fun with women in construction today (laughs) and and just in general it's been one of them days like i had a guy hit my brand new truck with the skid steer uh you know lack of communication and shit from the crew that i was flagging for and they totally just dragged their feet all day so we were flagging in the dark at the end and there's no reason they shouldn't have been the road and a whole bunch of shit so but i'm like i said i'm doing great nothing gonna break my stride oh no <laughs> is it cold uh, it was in the morning but it warmed up pretty good after about one o'clock it was like 33 32 warmed up is 32 yeah yes that's balmy because yesterday was stupid cold it was it was windy yeah. oh it yeah. was a wind, bro. It we was, were out there yeah. all day in it. Yeah. After dark yesterday, too, was my yeah. So, kind of weird for flagging to be on the road after dark. It's not normal, but it happened two days in a row to me. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got some Northern California action up in here. So, that's a beautiful, beautiful part of the uh, country right there. Well, it's 69 yeah. degrees in Florida right now. I'm like, when you're saying. It warmed up to 32, I'm like. <laughs> 69. I know. <laughs> I, I know. I was thinking, Ashley, uh, our our places, if we were getting that cold, it would probably be some, like, disaster. There would be no bread on the shelves. There would be nothing happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm not lying. <laughs> Sunny 70. I thought it was cold this morning. <laughs> yeah. It felt cold when I left the house. <laughs> so well, I suppose I, I suppose I. Sh Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I suppose I should introduce my dear friend Charles to you guys. So Charles is awesome as hell. Love this guy. He's one of the people that really empowered and uh, you know like lifted me up and made me feel like my story mattered. That it's important. And gave me, you know, the opportunity to join him on the Way Out podcast. Charles is the creator of the Way Out, and it, we're at like 320 episodes, I think. Just released 321. See, and uh, yeah, Charles is a huge blessing in my life. Has been since pretty much the beginning of my recovery. I think I've been doing the show with you for what, Charles, a little over four years. So, yeah. um. But that's just a brief intro. You guys are going to love him. I know he's going to love you. And I've been wanting to get him on the show for a while. And then this random, like our guest didn't respond yesterday. And so it happened all willy-nilly, like super shotgun style. So welcome, Charles. <laughs> super happy to be here. And Jason, you're uh, uh, just a brother from another mother. You know that. And uh the, the work that you've done for the Way Out podcast and the amazing interviews that you bring uh, really have uh, helped make uh, the podcast what it is today in large part. And uh, I couldn't be more grateful for it and um, grateful to be on here with you all as well. So, Elsie uh, and Ashley, super happy to be here and talk some recovery. Outstanding. Outstanding. Absolutely. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and Yeah. Um so yeah, so let me um give you the um give you sort of the reader's digest version of it, right? So like <laughs> um uh born and raised here in the in the Twin Cities and um uh I um and Jason, you and I, you know, it's funny that we're about the same age, but we never crossed paths until we were in recovery. Although I feel like maybe at a random party one time, we probably were at the same party and just didn't didn't recognize it because we were not in our right states of mind, probably at that uh, <laughs> at that time. I just I, I believe that that there's a high chance, a high chance and a high probability of that. But, uh, uh, you know, um uh, so I identify as a person in long-term recovery. My sobriety date is December 6, 2014. And so wow. um, that's actually coming up really soon. That I'm, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, yeah. that, that's really soon, uh, my sobriety date. So that's really cool. So um, one day at a time. But um, uh, like, uh, like Jason says, no fronts. But, yeah. One day at a time, if I'm able to do that uh, uh, until December 6th, I'll have eight years of uh, continuous sobriety. Uh, and, and that's a like, I never thought that was possible. I never thought that, that that was for me. I never thought this recovery thing was for me. I never thought that living a life like I do today was for me. Uh, prior to my most recent 
seven plus years ago attempt at recovery i was convinced that was for other people that you all could get this thing that you all could get sober but i'm that guy i'm that constitutionally incapable one right and um you know i started when i was really young like i started um uh, drinking when i was uh uh, 15 years old, and I remember very, very, very vividly the first time that I got drunk because I was at a friend's house partying. His parents were gone for the weekend, and he was one of the rich kids in Apple Valley, uh, and his parents had a fully stocked bar, and this is at the time when Zima was a thing, so any of y'all that are, you know, of a certain <laughs> vintage know what <laughs> Okay. Um, for see, yeah. adult, it's like Sprite, but it's got alcohol in it. What's it and, um I remember Zima. very distinctly how the alcohol hit me. And it instantly vaporized all of my fear, all of my anxiety, all of my depression, all of my doubts, my insecurities, it, it, and it unlocked things in me that I was not able to unlock prior to that moment. I was uh, secure and funny, at least I thought I was, and I could flirt with the girls and I could stick up to the guys. I was the version of myself that I always wanted to be but was never able to achieve and all I remember thinking is I want to do this as much as I possibly can this is the answer this is the solution uh, to how I feel on a daily basis so my mom died when I was 11 years old from cancer and you know, uh, that that set the stage, I think, you know, um, for um, a career in alcoholism and addiction. And, um, you know, the, the I was off to the races at that point. Uh, I, I, I went to treatment pretty early because at that party, I got so drunk that my friends locked me in a dog kennel because I was out of control and they could not control me. And they went and checked on me like, I don't know, sometime later, and my lips were blue and I wasn't breathing. Oh, and I was gosh. dying of alcohol poisoning. But my best friend somehow was able to re revive me by pounding on my chest. And that scared my my dad and my stepmom, and they made me go to treatment. <laughs> and, um, you know, I learned really quick what they wanted to hear. Like, you know, I mean, uh, I lied my butt off. Uh, you know, I was at that uh, at that time, um, uh, uh, indulging in other things as well. By the time treatment rolled around, I had availed myself to other substances. And um, I had no intention of quitting, but I knew what they wanted to hear. And I, you know, decided that I was going to become the treatment ninja and, you know, wax poetically about things that I had no interest in working. And I remember very distinctly when they were passing the to the coin around at graduation, I was ready to chip out. And you know, I thought I had everybody snowed. And the head treatment counselor, Eileen, who was an old Irish woman, who I didn't think was paying attention, even, 
usurped the circle and she took the coin and she looked at me and she said, you are lying to this group. You are Mm. lying to yourself. You're probably, you're going to use again and it's probably going to kill you. And she walked out. Mm. And although I feigned shock, she saw right through all of the BS, right? And she cut right to it. And every time my substance use, my addictions, my alcoholism became unmanageable, Eileen would resurface into my consciousness. And I would hear that. You're lying to this group. You're lying to yourself. You're going to use again, and it's probably going to kill you. When I got a DWI, when I lost a relationship, when I woke up somewhere and I didn't know how I got there, Eileen would come up. Was Eileen a nun? She sounds like right. picturing that in my head. Right. No, but she should have been. Right. Right? <laughs> like... Uh, reincarnated, right? Something like that, for sure, right? And um, that was that was that voice of reason. And you know, I in my early twenties, I got a nudge from the judge and went back. And you know, half of me wanted it, and half of me didn't. You know, half of me thought, boy, if I could just get there, like if I could just get there, that'd be great because there was people in those rooms that had something I wanted, but I wasn't fully convinced I was ready. I wasn't ready to let go of uh, the the substances and the addictions at that point. And I was still fairly convinced I could manage them. Um, and then again, addiction whack-a-mole, right? And over the next 20 year, 15, 20 years, two fundamental truths would repeat themselves over and over. Number one, over any length of time, my substance use will become unmanageable. Hard stop. Once I start, it will become unmanageable. In what, and that'll surface in any array of consequences that I iterated before. And the second truth was that I couldn't stay sober by myself without a solution. I couldn't do it. My life also would become unmanageable. And so those two alternating truths ended up coming to a head on the back end of my third marriage. My wife at the time looked at me and she's like, we've been married for a year. She says, you, Charlie, you drink every day. Yeah, but, but baby, it's not a problem. It's only a few. And the problem with, of course, uh, saying that is now she's counting, right? Um, and yeah. so now I'm trying to do like the switch thing. I'm going to keep some in the garage and filter them into the refrigerator and do some sort of shell game. And the problem with trying to outsmart somebody that's A, already smarter than you and B, not drunk, is it doesn't work very well. She quickly realized it was more than a few. And she's like, I think you got a problem. I think, I think you got a problem. I was like, I don't have a, I I do not have a problem. I can quit anytime I want. She's like, sweet, do it. You know, I should have seen that one coming. 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, I should have seen that one coming. So I quit for 30 days on Marlboros and Resentments, which I don't recommend. And um, to see, ta-da, I don't have a problem. And, um, and, and convinced her that it was okay to buy booze for my son's birthday and Thanksgiving, which fell on the same day that year. And I never like to put myself in this box, but I, but I desperately knew, I knew to my innermost core that I could not get drunk that day. But I said, hey, I'll go to the store. I got it. I got enough booze to get an army drunk. And there was four of us that were drinking. And so, but again, I knew, like, I knew I couldn't get drunk. I knew it. I knew, like, it was all riding on this to demonstrate that I could drink normally. And of course, once I started, I couldn't stop. And I was having this out-of-body experience. Like, every fiber of my being wanted not to get drunk, and yet I still got completely hammered. Nearly cut my hand off carving the turkey. Made a complete ass of myself parents leave and she looks at me and she's like what is wrong with you and she wasn't trying to be mean she was really just wanted to know like what is your problem and my son looks at her and looks at me and says what do you mean it's just dad he's just drunk again and that was the moment where the 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 veil that i had thought of you know i'm, I'm fooling everybody i've got you all fooled i had nobody fooled uh, and uh, she's like, you gotta go to treatment. Like, you gotta go, or it's over. And so I went to treatment that time, this seven plus years ago, not because I wanted to get sober, not because I wanted to quit. I just didn't want to get divorced again. Like, like I really didn't want to get divorced again. And um, for some reason, and I still can't tell you exactly why but I'm in the intake at in the, in the treatment counselor's office and for the first time in my life I got completely honest about the full scale and scope of all of my addictions and substance use with one human being with another human being for the first time in my life I'd always sort of like minimized it or you know um, 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 uh, I would change the the scale and scope and magnitude to fit the audience, right? Oh, of course. Uh, and 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 and, th and this is the first time I, I didn't do that. I was just completely one hundred percent honest with another human being, and I'm crying like a baby in this treatment counselor's office. And she's like, "Okay, so what do you want to get out of this thing?" And I said, "I want to know why I am the way I am." And she laughed at me. And she says, okay, let's say you figure it out. Let's say it's because you always had big addict and alcoholic switches and they were bound to get tripped at some point. Or let's say it's because your mom died when you were 11. Or let's say it's a combination of the two. Knowing that, do you think you'll ever be able to drink normally again? I said, no. Do you think you'll ever be able to use safely again? I said, no. I said, sweet, should we focus on how we get better? 
instead of why you are the way you are. That was that first big light bulb moment. Like, yes, please. I want to get better. Show me how to do that. Tell me how to do that. I desperately want to get better. And that was the moment where everything changed. Every fiber of my being wanted to get better. And if that meant being sober and abstinent, I was willing to do that. I was willing to try that. And every day since then, I have been working on doing that next right thing that's going to continue to put me on that path of greater wellness, greater well-being, and the bedrock of that for me is abstinence, the sobriety, but that was only the beginning, really, Um, and I continued, I, I, I did a 12-step journey, which was transformational for me. Engaging in a higher power was transformational for me. Um, I hated God. I wanted nothing to do with God. God took my mom away. Uh, but I ran the experiment. I listened to a lot of Joe and Charlie in the beginning. I'm a big believer that it took Bill and Bob to write the big book and Joe and Charlie to explain it. And they just kept saying, run the experiment. Run the experiment. You don't judge the process. Judge the result. Okay, so I just did that, and I worked these steps in order with a sponsor to the best of my ability, and it just didn't worry about whether it made sense or not. I just did it because I wanted to get better. And I saw other people who had done that and gotten better, and I wanted that. And they were in these rooms, and they had a sense of peace, and they had a sense of joy, and they had felt like I had felt and they had thought like I thought and they did what I did and they got better. And so I started to do what they did in order to get better, Uh, which meant starting to pray to, in the beginning, nothing. Because I'm one of those, if I can think it up, then the higher power is not big enough for me. So I just wiped the slate clean, checked my resentment to God at the door and just started praying to something I had no concept of. And I did, but I, but I meant it and I did it in the morning and I did it at night and my life started to radically change when I did that. And that was that second aha moment for me that praying to a God that I didn't understand that I had no concept of was changing me in fundamental and profound ways. My boss was the same. My kids were the same. Everything else was the same, but how I experienced life was radically different. They didn't change, I did. And so I realized my higher power was changing me. And that, that was a fundamental truth that I learned uh, early on in recovery and still practice. So uh, it's been a ride, it's been a journey. And uh, I started this podcast because I wanted to get stories that i was hearing in church basements out to the rest of the world like i like these stories were changing me in profound ways and it was also in the beginning a a bit of an amend because i had spent a lot of times in 12-step rooms talking about stuff that i wasn't working and i didn't believe and um, there was a lot of really great people that were uh, st- still said that probably saw right through it <laughs> and said, keep coming back. Right. <laughs> and so uh, it was a great way for me to be able to lift up other people's stories. And we do that 
um, every week on the Way Out podcast. We lift up other people's stories of recovery, regardless of your recovery pathway. We celebrate all of them, and uh, it's a tr- it's a tremendous honor for us to be able to lift those voices up and um, share one episode at a time um, uh, how people uh, recovered. That makes Amazing. me think of something I said today to someone, like, because I I spoke somewhere where it was it was like a you know a not normal place for me to talk about mental health and substance use disorder and i said it's amazing how people react when you tell your story and you're open and honest and you tell the truth like it is amazing the things you can say that that they want to hear and react to it's like yeah it still amazes me it's the authenticity Mm -hmm. right that we as human beings naturally connect with yeah, on a really yeah. for me anyway a really spiritual level like i i feel it in my bones when somebody's being authentic and those yeah. human experiences that they're sharing resonate and it continues to give me permission when i hear somebody in a recovery group share something that's authentic and vulnerable, it continues to give me permission to do the same thing. Cause that's not an easy thing for me to do seven plus years in recovery. Still, it's hard for me to mm-hmm. share on, a, on that kind of level. Like, Hey, this is hard for me. This is, this is, this is life is lifey. And, um, you know, I don't know what to do. Right. But shame and secrets make us sick. Hundred yep. percent. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. And that fear of 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 what could happen if I open myself up right here. You know that that fear. I think that's why vulnerability is so important. Because the bigger we fear about it, it's like the the law of love versus the law of fear. Like fear is the opposite of love. It's not actually hate. It's fear. And, you know, whenever we're being authentic, we are we're moving in and walking in love. And that is a scary thing. Recovery is brilliant for bringing us into a walk of love for that exact reason. To get better, we got to be real. We got to be authentic. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. And for me, I had to authentically connect to myself so that I could then begin to authentically connect to other people. And when I'm able to do that, that's where the magic is in recovery. And as you said, Elsie, it's about acting in love. And that's the whole ball game really for me in recovery is acting in love. And boy, that's harder to do than it is to say. You know, yeah. because it's not always easy and other people don't always make it easy on us to do it. Life doesn't always make it easy on us to do it. But that's that's what my higher power wants me to do. And yeah. when I'm able to achieve that, that's when I feel the most at peace and the mm. most serenity is when I'm able to act in love. Yes, yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. I um that's one one of the questions while you were while you were talking I wrote down 
the question of, you know, the whole, it sounds like in the beginning of your journey, you were heading for that, that sobriety for other people. And it seems like whenever you came into that place of recovery, you know, and, and the question I have was, do you think stepping into the healing made the difference? Because it seems like that why, tell me why, is that that sobriety aspect of it. But tell me how to get better, to me, brings the healing aspect of it. And that's where I found long-term recovery. I think that might be kind of the same for a lot of people that have found long-term recovery where we lend into healing more than we lend into just getting just getting days or just getting through. A hundred percent, LC. And I, I love the analogy of the burning house. Right? I was a house that was on fire, okay? And the house was about to be burnt to a crisp, the house of Charlie, okay? And I'm looking at the house burning saying, I wonder what happened. I wonder why the fire started. <laughs> I, Put out the fire. Okay? <laughs> then we can figure out, you know, what started it and maybe, you know, make some course correction going forward so we don't start some more fires, right? Yeah. 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 All right, but let's put out the bleeping fire first, shall we? Before we sit and look at it and be like, you know, I wonder why I wonder why that fire started. You know, and firefighters do the same thing. They put out the damn fire and they get the people and the pets out and stuff. And then and then they send the investigators in, right, to figure out what happened, right? And so for 20-plus years, right, the house was burning, and I was like, I wonder why, I wonder why that happened. I wonder why the house is burning, right? Um, so focusing on the solution you know, versus why it started. And then, again, recovery answered a lot of that for me as I progressed my journey to and through recovery to this point. I've learned a lot about what drove the nature of my um, thoughts and actions, my counterproductive thought and behavior patterns. And I had a lot of them. But, you know, I needed to, need to put the fire out first. Outstanding. Outstanding. Glad you figured that out, bud. Yeah. <laughs> it's critical. It took it. I'm a slow learner. You and me both. It's a good thing you did. You eat ashes right now. Yeah. It would have been a long fire. Just a pile of ashes. Correct. Slow learner and a quick forgetter, too. Yes. We, we yeah. always say that on the show. I got a quick, quick forgetter. forgetter. A Teflon brain. Doesn't <laughs> So true. I need reminded all the time. 100% I do. 100% I do. You know, it's and one of the great things I love about uh, any interaction I have with another person in recovery is that I am reminded of things that are pertinent to my recovery. And just in a recent uh, episode that I dropped, I, uh, you know, for the 12 steps instrumental in my recovery and in the beginning i re I, I read steps you know uh, five and six no was it six and seven um that you know uh, charlie removes all his character defects all by himself without any help that's pretty much how i read it right <laughs> and my sponsor's like um hey um 
knucklehead. Uh, it says that, you know, God helps you with, with this part um, right. and that, you know, you need his help. And so uh, it was, a rem- and I, and I, and I kind of got back into that in the last probably like a year, you know, I, 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 I veered back into the, I'm going to remove all of my character defects all by myself. Right. right. And um, uh, a, a guest reminded me um, uh, very, uh, very gently that uh, for him, in his experience, his higher power has a lot to do with that, right? And uh, that was a, such a great reminder for me um, that um, I need to, I need to continue to enlist the help of my higher power in all sorts of areas of my life. That one included. Absolutely. Hell yeah. For sure. We are. I wonder. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. For sure. Absolutely. I, I, I wanted to ask you about the, see, I, I really like what you were talking about with the God that you had no concept of. Yeah. Beginning to pray to a God you had no concept of. Yeah. That whole no concept is, is almost more helpful than, you know, going into that thing where you have that, that hated concept, that concept that you own here, you know, I, I, that, that was very interesting to me. And I appreciate that, that share about that. I think yeah. a lot of us go through that. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think it's a, a relatively common experience for folks, mm. you know, um, of that variety. Like I said, like, you know, some people I, I are, it makes sense to them to, fashion an idea of what a higher power might look like for them mm. and then you know begin to uh, go on a journey to form a relationship with that higher power uh, that didn't I, I couldn't do that because again I just I always would think if I can think it up it's not big enough for me yeah you know and so how, and I kept on, my head would say, my brain would say this, how is a higher power that you invent going to save you? That makes zero <laughs> sense to me. Like it just made zero logical sense to me. And so uh, I just started praying to, to, to nothing and, and, and calling it God because I didn't have a better name for this entity. Mm-hmm. And um, so my recovery is centered around an experience of God Mm-hmm. Not an idea of God. Mm. And, okay. and, ex- my, and that informs my spirituality, is my experience of God. And that mm. experience provided the um, evidence that I needed in order to continue to progress along that spiritual journey and and the rest is history like that that transformational experience around i'm praying to this god that i have no concept of that i don't understand yet it's profoundly changing how i experience the world that experience of god changed everything for me Mm. Mm. yeah man it's like even when i first started my recovery you know for the first couple years it was I didn't really have a higher power per se, I guess, you know, the group of drunks, the good orderly direction from the, you know, collective wisdom maybe, but 
I mean, but I experienced the spiritual life as a result of that. I mean, it worked marvelously. I never had any sense of spirituality or concept of it before. And I mean, I could feel it that I felt so profoundly different. Right. And that was definitely a huge blessing, you know, just like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. I have a question for you and I'm just nosy. So, (laughs) so you can say, I don't want to answer. Nothing's off limits. You said that it was your third marriage and just didn't want to get divorced again. Mm -hmm. So did it work? Oh yeah, that, what a cliffhanger! I inadvertently yeah. <laughs> story. That's great. I love that. Maybe you were trying to hook people into I listening to, to the way out. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so no, it didn't. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that. And um, uh, so a couple of things. Number one, uh, I'll always be grateful to her. Because she stayed married to me um, long enough to get me through treatment. And that's the only reason she stayed married to me for that extra length of time was because I could be on her insurance in order to get through treatment. And so I'm profoundly and forever grateful for her Mm. for that because it launched what has been the, the most meaningful and enduring recovery I've ever experienced in my entire life. So that, that is great. Um, And I'm engaged to be married um, now, eight years, almost eight years later uh, to my fiance, who's absolutely amazing and also in recovery and um, that wouldn't have happened. Right. And so um, uh, we're uh, uh, we're um, it's interesting because I didn't ever think I'd find my person and I found my person so amazing. Uh, that's uh, that's amazing to me that amazing. I can just be me with her and she can just be her with her with me and, and that's a that's a beautiful thing um, and um, um, uh, yeah so that's how that so that that's how that is Pamela had asked a question there yep there it is on yep. the screen have you thanked her personally? Uh, you know what? I didn't amend. Yes. Um, and so that's a great question. I didn't amend. And um, I did thank her for that in my amend. Uh, it was a really funny amend story because at the time I was still pretty um, uh, butt hurt over some of the things that transpired <laughs> on the back end of the divorce, like kicking me out of the house uh, with nowhere to live and like, Throwing all my crap in, um, uh, in a in 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 my rowboat uh, for for you know so so I, was, I suffice to say I was pretty butthurt. Um, uh, but but um, I had to prepare for the amend and I did and I prayed 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 for the resentment to go away and I prayed that she got all the things I wanted for myself and I didn't mean it and. Um, I was still bought her, but at some point I had turned the corner and, um, I had forgiven her for the things that transpired on the back end of the, uh, divorce and, uh, was ready to do the amend. And, um, and so I did, and I thanked her 
uh, for uh, the uh, tremendous blessing of being able to stay on um, uh, to stay uh, to to launch into recovery and uh, and she she took the amendment. She says that's that's that you know um, that's appreciate that or what I, I don't. But she said something to the effect of, and honestly, I don't think I have anything to. Um, um, apologize for, and I literally almost bit my tongue off at the time. Like I, I, I almost bit it clean off, and I <laughs> like ran to the car afterwards and called my sponsor, and I was like, just <clears throat> lit up, right? And he's like, Did you take your take care of your side of the street. I was like, yes. All right mm-hmm. then. The rest of it is up to your higher power. It's not. It's not up to you anymore, right? And so, if you've got that resentment back, you got some prayer to do. And so I did that. And I she just praying. gave you. She just gave you more uh, to practice. You know she what I mean? Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> That's your work. There was a lot of praying after that. A lot. You know, because those are the things, man, that like give us the strength and like build them muscles to you know 100%, use these tools. No doubt. And then I I prayed enough. It was like. Two months later, and I had prayed. I prayed, and I'd gotten to the point where I'd let it go, and I'd come to peace with it. And um, and she um, she emailed me out of the blue and said, "Hey, you know, I gotta tell you, um, when you made that amend, something stuck with me that I was just not able to shake." And she's like, "You know, I think I do have a few things that you know I need to, you know, uh, apologize for." And you know, I don't even remember what they were to be honest, because like I've let it go, like it's like not a thing. Yeah, yeah, and but it, but but she but she but she did that, and and I wasn't expecting it, you know, and I and I and I didn't need it, um, but she did, right? That's awesome. And she did because because I had mentioned to her that I had to pray in order to get ready for this, and I had to pray, you know, to release the resentment and. Just that little bit of insight around how I got ready to make the amend to her, you know, got her into a place about thinking about her own side of the street, you know. And That's so, awesome. yeah, it was a, it was a it was a total and complete blessing. And you know, those are the kinds of things that happen uh, as a result of you know uh, recovery. And for me, focusing on the the one big thing that I do have some control over, and that's uh, uh, that's that next right thing. Yeah, dude. So no nosy question number two. Yes. <laughs> Are you nervous to to try it for number four? Or does it feel <laughs> like this, this is like new life? It's been a long time. This is number one. You're going into it clean slate. It feels very different. So uh, I am not nervous. Uh, but I did take my time. And we've been together for... Um, um, a long time now, and uh, I wanted that, and that was important to me, um, that I didn't rush into anything, and that, you know, and I took some time before I even started, you know, making uh, making the decision that I wanted to start dating again. I took two years where I, I dated myself mm-hmm. in the first two yeah. years of recovery, okay? So, like, that was important to me, too, and then taking my time with this and so no because because of that because i took my time and i was able to 
get my feet under me from a sobriety perspective and able to do some really important work. You know, therapy was really important to me in the beginning as well. So I went on, you know, a parallel therapeutic and recovery journey. And so for anybody, I, I, I highly recommend EMDR therapy. If you're one like me that um, has, you know, PTSD and trauma, uh, grief stuff in their, um, uh, in their uh, uh, in their history or dealing with that oh, currently em yeah emdr like was transformational for me so you know that recovery journey in parallel with my therapeutic journey i dated myself for <laughs> for a good couple years and then you know uh, my fiance and i began been together for over four years so um no absolutely not dude it's crazy it's been four years already yeah yeah, wow. wait that long before with the other ones. How long was it that until you got married the other times? Uh, so the uh, my first uh, wife is the mother of my two amazing children, and like we didn't know each other very long before we found out about my first uh, our, my 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 oldest child, right? And so. Although it took us a little bit longer to get married, like we were living together and doing the thing like right away. And, you know, I always say that we were supposed to be parents of our children, that, but we were not supposed to be married. We were <laughs> not supposed to be married. That was not supposed to be. Um, very different people like to live very different ways, right? Um, and so that was not long for this world. Um, we stayed married for quite a while for uh, a number almost eight years we were together for about eight years all told um uh yeah about eight years all, yeah yeah um <laughs> trying to think eight or nine years um uh for the kids primarily right and um you know my addiction blew it up <laughs> essentially right so um uh, the second marriage i call a rebound marriage okay <laughs> Um, and so that thing, like the whole thing inside of a year. Okay. Oh, wow. And like, I'm a big fan of not telling other people's stories. I'm not going to do that. Right. But just suffice it to say, it was not good from the start. Neither one of us had any business being in a relationship, especially with each other, trying to blend a family. It was, it was a disaster from the word go. Okay. And, um, it, it ended um, mercifully inside of a year. Um, and then, um, again, the third one was like, you know, uh, that was a part of my thing. Like, um, relationships were going to fix me, right? Mm. Like, that was going to fix me. I need to be in a relationship, and I need you to think that I am the greatest thing since sliced bread, <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, worship the ground I walk on, right? And when you stop doing that, or when I realize that you're a human being and that you've got, you know, um, flaws, right? <laughs> then, then it's all, it's all over, right? right. Uh, because this is no longer than, you know, filling the giant chasm in my soul, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> So descriptive. <laughs> so you're saying life got better when you got rid of alcohol and drugs and women. Life was better. <laughs> right? 
It did. It absolutely did. Life got immeasurably better when I realized that I was the common denominator in all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then you needed to do the hard work of facing it. But yeah, so. <laughs> I needed to lean in and I needed to start doing the work in order to get getting well. And that's when everything changed is when I started focusing on getting myself well. Yeah. We're grateful you did. We're glad you're here and you did all the work. I'm still doing yeah. it. Yeah. I'm still doing yeah. it. If I had it, I would hit the bell when he did that. When he said that. Because Brett's yeah. got this bell. I'm missing that bell. Yeah, and then I told him, dude, because he used to ring it all the time, but it wasn't on the screen. I kept saying, you need to build a stand for that fucker, dude. And then he finally, he just made this makeshift stand. I think, well, I don't even know. I can't remember what it is, but it's like a, it's something. And then he just put like a CD on it or a DVD <laughs> and he's got the bell sitting on it. But you cannot tell that it's just some makeshift thing. It looks really good. Just chilling there and it's right in the frame and he can be like, bing, whenever somebody makes a good point, you know? Love it. Yeah, it's tough. I love it. It is. <laughs> it is. It's super man. tight. <laughs> Charlie, man, it's hard to imagine you being like out on your ass with nowhere to go and having <laughs> everything you own being in a rowboat, man. Like, I think about that and all the just in the years I've known you, you know, the the ways that your metamorphosis is uh, carried through and all the blessings that you've received. Yeah. And then I think about, you know, I don't, I don't brag on our stats much with the way out, but like they're pretty <laughs> fucking mind boggling, dude. And it's like, it's touching a lot of souls and you know, that you get, you're a blessing to so many people, dude. And then to, to see how, you know, you've been blessed as a result in so many ways. And even, even in the hard things that have come into your life and the way that you've been able to face those things, uh, probably so much differently than you would have before, you know, yeah, it's no just question. awesome to watch, uh, your life evolve, dude. I love it. It's been an absolute amazing journey, brother. And, uh, you know, uh, if you told me, prior to getting into recovery that this is what my life would be. I would not have believed it. I, there's just no way that I would have believed it in, in any way, shape or form. And it's, I'm, I'm absolutely grateful um, for it, you know, and it's because I have been given so many gifts from other people and had the honesty and the open-mindedness and the willingness to try them on myself not everything that i've heard worked for me but a lot did and i and it and it has transformed my life in a way that i never thought possible it's mm -hmm. transformed yes the outside right and you can say okay well he's the president of this company and he's you know got this podcast and he's you know on and on that's fine but what really matters to me is that i have the ability to be able to uh on a daily basis right 
be the best example of recovery I can be on a given day. And I can take that into work. I can take that into my home and I can take it on my podcast and other platforms in order to be able to share my recovery. And, and, and that's, that's the biggest blessing for me is to be able to really try to embody recovery in a way that, um, you know, folks, um, might want, (laughs) might say, you know, you know, uh, maybe this recovery thing is worth a shot. To, to know that you're actually adding something of value to the stream of life, right? Yes. <laughs> was it 300 and something you said episode? 321. Like, that's amazing because I was on like in the 100s, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it feels like it was just like 10 minutes ago. Like maybe I know. And that must have been a while. It was a while ago. It was yeah. a while ago. Yeah, because we probably do like 50 a year. Is that right? Maybe like just under 50 a year. You know, basically one a week. I mean, what is it? Isn't it 52 weeks in a year? So it's probably but, 52 episodes. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah, it's basically, it's got to be 52 a year. I mean, we well, do and have- then I know this year we had did, I think at least it was once but i thought maybe it was more than once where he did kind of like a special bonus episodes we were just trying to kind of like get the cachet knocked back down because we had so many uh you know backlogged we had a backlog and we dude it was a huge but 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 there's light at the end of the tunnel now brother Uh, right i'm trying to go slow too bro but uh, now we're gonna we're gonna record with Jeremy Garris, the owner of Spirits at Rest Treatment Center, tomorrow. Uh, our first time doing an in-person recording in God, a couple ages. years. Huh? Ages. ages. Yeah, it's been way too long. So that's going to be super fun, dude. Like, go, We're going to get breakfast. We're going to go tour the facility. We're going to do this in-person thing, go have lunch, hang out with some bro time. And then I got an interview on Sunday evening as well. So <laughs> I've, got, you know, I've got a few. I mean, look, it is what it is. Like, I gotta take a break, but yeah. so no. almost two years. Like it's it's been almost two years. Almost two years, I bet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're still trying to figure out how long it's been, Ashley. I can't believe it's been two years. Like yep. I'll see. Like, welcome back. What I miss. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to wrap my head around the fact it's been two years since I was on their show. Like I would, if you would have asked me how long it's been, I would have said five, six months. <laughs> really? It I think it's like been it was- like a year and a half. I'm going to say. Time wow. is flying quick. Time is flying quick. Always does, bro. Yeah. God. Used to not when I was miserable. When I was miserable in life, it seemed like time just dragged. <laughs> it's true. Oh, it's like Groundhog Day every day. Wake up sick. What am I gonna do today? Who you know? What what lie do I gotta tell? What kind of you know ridiculousness do I have to live in? Now it just goes fast. Man. It's true. Fast. Well, yeah, fast. and we're all busy. I mean, when you get up. 
the crack of dawn and you stay up till for like time goes by fast but you would think like it would have gone by faster when you're sleeping a lot like because then it would be like yeah. but no like i don't know what the deal is dude even like, when i slept like a champ like like i was a becoming a professional sleeper even then i would always be super freaking disappointed dude i'd be like you know like a good example is when i'd be in jail i'd be like i'm just gonna sleep through the whole thing as much as i can and i'd always be pissed when i couldn't sleep no more you know what i mean yeah <laughs> i'd be so irritated yeah. about it like why can't i just sleep well fuck, dude you slept for 15 hours <laughs> you know <laughs> Can't sleep no more. You're always so tired. Says, no. I get yeah, less sleep exactly. now than I like half, maybe a fourth of the amount of sleep that I got when I was using. And I feel I'm tired all the time. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah. I don't feel like to the bone exhausted like I did then. And I was sleeping a lot. You know, <laughs> when you're using opiates, like you sleep a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in the middle of conversation. I mean, just anywhere. You can just take a nap anywhere. <laughs> For sure. It's like lights out, not a nap. <laughs> You're right. You die, but you're still breathing deeply. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget knowing that I had a problem whenever I was talking to my grandmother one day and just, I guess I just went out and I just remember coming to and picking right up in conversation i'm looking at her face like you know she's just like what just happened and it was like oh i should probably get a handle on this like you know because because you'll argue somebody you'll argue that someone else i was the part of charlie's you know story was talking about i don't have a problem you know like you got i don't have the problem and you know you'll just argue that but you can't like you can't really to your soul argue the fact that you just fell asleep mid-conversation and came back up and right. picked right like you right. at some point you just got to go maybe you're right yeah you know, right. maybe yeah you're right. Maybe <laughs> you're right. yeah yeah i don't it's know that i ever admitted maybe you're right like during that time no. i don't think i ever said it out loud <laughs> oh okay i don't know that i ever admitted that in my head well, I might have, I might have, but I guarantee you a little bit after that, I was sitting there and I was thinking like, fuck that. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not doing anything wrong. Like, man, she's just being a bitch or, you know, he's just being a dick, you know, like I would never be able to really concede to the fact yeah. I might. Yeah. I might, for the sake of argument, like try to smooth things over, if you will. But then I would be like irritated about it after uh, the more I thought yeah. about it, you know, it'd be renting space yeah. in my head. And that's, I think, a good uh, way to tell you guys if you're having a productive conversation or not, because productive conversations actually leave you feeling like a weight's been lifted off. You feel better, yeah. you know, and you feel so different like about the whole thing but when you have a non-productive conversation where you're just snowballing somebody it's like you're you're still letting it run space in your head you're fucking dwelling on it you're probably mm. stewing in it yeah. <laughs> at least i used to charles always says i love me a good resentment and i oh, i feel that i loved me a good resentment back in the day yeah. prior to getting sober like love me a good resentment yeah. for all sorts of reasons like 
great it was great to drink over and yeah. it felt like it felt powerful and it felt righteous indignation like yeah. well, how dare they do that <laughs> to me <laughs> what are they talking about i'm prescribed this i'll drink at them yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah i'm hiding these in my socks there's nothing wrong with me i've got pills in my socks so that i don't have to let anybody see that i'm going back and forth to the cabinet just hiding this everywhere yeah yeah, yeah. I used to set timers because I'd only allow myself to take a certain amount in a period because, you know, like I knew withdrawals would get really bad if I ran out. So, like, yeah. you know, it's bad when you have to set timers. So you allow yourself to like, I mean, I had some self-control and I was like, OK, there's not a problem. If I can wait till the timer goes off and not give in and take it, then obviously I don't have a problem. <laughs> But I was sitting there waiting for the timer to go off. Watching the clock. Right. What the hell? It's like that line in the scene that you draw. That's your your lie to yourself. I, I always say, look, you know how I know I don't have a problem with bananas? Because I don't have to justify why I don't have a problem with bananas. That's why. <laughs> It. Like, I don't have to justify it to me or to you or to anybody else because some days I'll have a banana and some days I won't. Some days I'll have two. Some days I'll have zero. And, and it's not a problem. And so I don't have to justify or rationalize like, well, see, I don't have a problem with bananas because, you know, A, I can quit them anytime I want and B, I only have four a day. So I don't have a problem and I can still poop. So, I don't feel anything. Can you, can you imagine that? Like, so I'm a pretty smart person. Like, I'm not an idiot, but like, oh yeah, I'm not addicted. I, I can, I can sit here and wait until the timer goes off and not give in and take it. There's no way. If I was really an addict, like, they wouldn't be able to sit here and look at these and not take it. That's the most idiotic cat. timer. <laughs> Yeah, you're okay. You can wait four hours. <laughs> you're only a stressed out mess for the entire, like, last two. The first two go maybe go pretty smoothly, maybe. Then that last two, you're just, like, telling yourself how you can wait till the timer. Like, I can feel it. I feel it. I feel oh, it. you sleep for the first one, and then you can get out of bed oh, yeah. for hour two and three, and then hour four, you're like, has this hour passed yet? Has this... <laughs> Is it three hours and, and 59 minutes yet? Oh, no, it's only three hours and two minutes. I still have another 50. That was, like, that was the nicotine bit for me, man. Holy moly, nicotine was a mother, right? Like, okay. Physically, the hardest thing I've ever quit in my entire life, and it's not close. And, and, and exactly what you're talking about, Ashley, like this idea, like when I was actively addicted to nicotine many times in my life and at certain points had quit and for a number of years like two years at one point three years at one point right and it always started up the same way which is you know uh i'll only have one and if i only you know if i don't buy them if i just you know get bum one from a uh, uh from a 
uh, then then it's fine. And you know, but then it's uh, every time I would end up being a daily smoker again, right? And so, and then when I got sober, um, I transitioned from smoking to vaping, and that got out of control really quickly, like <laughs> really out of control really, really quickly because I could vape inside wherever I wanted because it smelled like blueberries. Right? <laughs> so I was doing it in the bathroom at work like it was really bad. <laughs> it's all cheached out in there. Really, you guys, you guys. It was really bad. Was okay? good stuff. And I was like, Starting with the three milligram, and then I'm up to like the six, and like I'm doing it, I'm doing it in the living room, and I'm ever, ever, and it, it was very out of control very quickly. And so I'm like, I gotta stop this thing, but then you know, but 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 uh, okay, I won't do it here, and I won't do it there, and if I can make it an hour, uh, two hours, then I have control. No, I just had to quit. I just, I just had to quit. Just stop. Yeah. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life, physically, from a physical addiction perspective. Mm. I've heard that's a hard one. You know, I was never a smoker, so I, I don't have experience, but I've heard people that have not smoked in 20 years that say they get cravings sometimes. And miss 100%. It. My dad's a former smoker, and I never saw him smoke, but he he would get 40 years quit, he would say that there would be times where he would instinctively reach for his cigarettes in mm-hmm. his shirt pocket yep, and, <laughs> and get a craving. And usually it was when he did something that he hadn't done in a really long time. And the last time he did it, it was, it was yep. Yeah, it was, yep. click that reward. Yeah, click that reward. Yeah, it scares me, to be honest with you. Like I'm a smoker and I want... I know I'm on this journey because I'm feeling myself get to the place where I know that it's time. Like I have some, you know, some some goals in mind that smoking can't be a part of, you know, and so they're really important to me health-wise and different things. And so I'm getting to that place and I feel that same anxiety and fear that I felt when I was coming into recovery in that whole, okay, How's my, you know, what is my life going to look like and how, you know, what are the things? And you start like going over all the problems in your mind, like all the the ways that your life somehow is going to suffer. And there's this, you know, that that whole the tools have to come into play where I'm like, remember, you know, this is the goal. And, and, and I'm trying to keep the suffering part away because that's what causes me the greatest fear. Yeah. And, you know, you something that's just so like I don't know how one has to do with the other but they do but but you gave me a great confirmation because you know I'm coming up on being celebrating 10 years in active recovery coming up you know in just a couple months that's amazing to me like never thought I would but I'm just now starting EMDR you know it was something I wanted to do years ago and it just never came about and never was time and so I just started EMDR last month. I had my first session and I'm going again. And so, you know, thanks for sharing that because that's a great, you know, just just an amazing thing for, you know, to click in and say, yeah, that's amazing. 100% LC. And, and, 
the biggest thing that EMDR therapy did for me was it allowed me to be there for myself mm. during that traumatic time in my life, a time mm. where I felt helpless, where I felt like my entire world had caved in and everything I thought I could trust and rely on had vanished. And so I got to, in a very safe way, go back to that moment, that place, that awful, awful traumatic place and, and be there for myself. Yeah. Versus escape. Yeah. To be there versus the escape. And, and sometimes get stuck in it. Like I would get stuck in it sometimes, man, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. and wouldn't know how to get out of it. Freaking 20 years later. Right. Like just being stuck in it and stuck in the Mm. grief and stuck in the trauma and EMDR allowed me to move through it and gave me the tools to be able to be there for myself. And, and the therapist said something really important. So, what would you tell your child if they were going through that traumatic mm. experience? Mm. And that's what I told myself in that moment when I went back there. It's going to be okay. I love you. It's going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. Right? And and, and that was transformational. Amazing. Amazing. It sounds so much like shadow work, dude. Like I... It sounds a lot like the process that I went through with shadow work and stuff. And that was similar, you know, like embrace that part of yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and like be there for it and yeah, get, get familiar with it. Like, especially the ugly parts of myself that I was like always hated, but then I still let take control and, you know, to, to find it, it just it's like a part of like becoming one cohesive unit you know like i now am aware of all the parts of me and i'm like okay with them even though you know some of them are unsavory or you know whatever this is it was a total process but it sounds like so much like how you described that emdr like really similar yeah to and the uh, the big different the the i think the big difference is what it is that it is much to do with that but also there's this physical grounding piece right that allows that allowed me not to that allowed the emotions not to overwhelm me Mm -hmm. so i held these these um two um plastic sort of um um modules that uh, buzzed intermittently and that that allowed the emotions not to super overwhelm me because i knew i was here i wasn't there you know and and my like every other time my brain would felt like i was there in that traumatic moment but because i was being grounded actively i knew i was here like you're yeah. literally reliving it. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we do. Yes, yes, yes. Because that's exactly what we do. The brain doesn't know the difference, whether it's 20 years ago, 20 minutes ago, or right now. So when we're reliving that trauma, the same process is happening in the body. You know, that was one of my aha moments when I realized, wait a minute. I'm, these abusers are still abusing me. Like every day, they're still abusing me. Yes. And and you know, the the greatest thing I think that ever happened for me in this whole trauma and healing process is realizing that, you know, to think of the past minus the emotion equals wisdom. Like that's when we have we we've transcended the pain and have gained the wisdom from from the time and and i want to tell you the the exciting thing about going through you know a gender transition is every day i get to talk to my inner child like every morning i look in the mirror i get to say we got here we got here buddy like thank you for holding on thank you for you know for for not taking those leaps thank god it didn't work you know thank god none of those attempts worked we're yeah. we're here like we're 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 coming we're we're in our own it, like and and that's an amazing just part of a healing journey is to be able to say that to yourself and and I I think I feel grateful I feel like I'm lucky because I have a physical sensation you know a, a, to be able to look into that that kid's eyes and say you know and so you know yeah God. it's that perseverance leads to transcendence you know you can, yes it's a it's a hard road it, you know it gets mucky but you you're here today you know you have those moments of like overwhelming gratitude and, and accomplishment and like true pride that you uh stuck to your guns and you stayed true to yourself and look at you now you know dude and you Elsie, you're such a huge inspiration man you know you you're awesome hi ashley awesome. hey ashley did you see my message in the chat? Yeah. Nobody told oh, me on the screen. Oh, I, 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 oh I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. I didn't even notice until you said something. I looked in and said one. I'm so not great at being Brett. Like, I have no idea. <laughs> he always puts the comments up at perfect the perfect time. He's always doing the back end stuff, and I'm just all in. And then but I that's why he's all quiet, though, too, usually, because he's... Doing and it. then when he speaks up, he says something like really drop the mic moment. And then he just kind of eases back down into breath. Totally. I love that guy. Dude, me and guy. him, we were on, on a call for like a half hour last week. I think that was last week or something. And I got to sit and practice. That's one cool thing about this platform is you can like do it live time. Like, you know, he gave me access and he has access and we can literally both sit there and press buttons and mess with doohickeys, you know? It's awesome. And I'm like, I felt like I got the hang of it pretty good. And I was, I was like really looking forward to running a stream. And then <laughs> I freaking end up working too late. He calls me and I'm just stepping into the shower and he goes, huh. Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm stepping in the shower for to fill your shoes and he was like jason's gonna be driving can you run the stream and i was like wait a minute i gotta look at it <laughs> i don't know what to do i can't do this right wonderful you are wonderful well i normally well, like pee before i get on the show because it's like 
you know, we go for like two hours and, you know, I can normally go three hours at night. I make it through the whole night, but, you know, like, but I fell asleep today because I drove to Orlando, which is like an hour and a half. And I normally go Wednesday and Friday. And because I did that thing today, I went Wednesday and Thursday. So, you know, like I was out of the, out of the house at 545 and didn't get home yesterday and didn't get home till seven. I was out the door at 545 today. So when I got home, I took a nap and I overslept and I'm like, oh crap, I got it. You know, like I'm coming. <laughs> so I didn't get to pee before the show today and it just screwed things up. <laughs> I just saw all your private chat. Sorry I missed that. It's all right. I'm looking at the regular chat. I'm glad you feel better, Ashley. Did you look at the chat now? Oh man! Well, see. I see the private chat now. Just yeah, hey. look at it now. <laughs> oh, Charles! <laughs> we're gonna take Charles Charles off so he can go pee. Can now we're taking Charlie off. Yeah, we'll see you in a few. All right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's no shame in our game. Dude, I don't think we've ever made it a point to say, "Hey, usually like Brett will just do this like." Shut off the, you know, <laughs> yeah. thing, and then just leave it like that, and then yeah, people least, don't even know he's gone because it's mute. At least you have a picture. Mine's not a picture. Well, that you took me a, a little bit to figure out. No, yeah, it's my. It's oh, my. Oh, we gotta uh, get you a picture in there, Ashley. Yeah, I just show up. I don't do any of the tech stuff for it. I, 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 yeah. I did it when we did our learning lesson training session on how to run stream because i was like how do you have that cool thing on yours dude mine doesn't have it and he's like somebody made that for me man and he's like yeah it's pretty cool and i'm like well i want to put something on there so you like showed me how and i was like oh duh so i need i need help sometimes <laughs> amen to that he and i are going to make some um a cool um out like an outro for the show so we're going to be working on that so tonight we'll get to play the one that i made for recovery revolution live it's a five second youtube promo but it's nothing special but we're going to make some good outros for the show because y'all deserve that I that's think awesome do some good stuff good stuff Sweet. i love spring i love Streamyard, man it's the greatest platform on earth charlie's nice. back it is pretty slick. I'll, I will say that. It's pretty dang it's slick. Nice. They've got a great affiliate program, too, of which I... Welcome back, Charlie. I'm so glad to be back, and I'm feeling <laughs> much more comfortable. You guys literally... <laughs> now it's my turn. Now, nope, we'll watch this. But you don't have to take me off, because now this will embed the Way Out Podcast logo on people's brains. Shameless plug. Look at Hell that. Shameless yeah. plug. <laughs> I support it 100%. Me too. It's a great podcast. Man, thank you. Thank you. It's been an absolute, absolute honor and privilege to be a part of it. And uh, like, yeah, it's just been great. You know, in the beginning, I had to hunt people down uh, and beg them to yeah. be on the show. Uh, and uh, now we're in a much different position and very fortunate to you know, have folks that um, 
for wanting to come on on, a, on the regular and uh, share their journeys to and through recovery up until this point. And uh, uh, it's great. It's really great. I learned something from every single human being that comes on the show. And uh, it's been one of the greatest educations of my life. Have you ever like brought somebody back that was like from the beginning, like the first like 20 episodes, like bringing them back? Yes. Like, yeah. Yes. Yes. Jason A, who was the first guy that I ever interviewed, episode number one, um, came back on um, wow. uh, 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 in the 200s. And um, wow. after a relapse and. You know, it was a really powerful story, like really, really powerful. Um, and, um, you know, just really highlighted the fact for most of us that recovery isn't linear. And it's not perfect. And it's not, you know, putting down the substance or whatever it is. And yeah. life is, you know, sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. And, you know, we never have to. You know, so yeah, it was a really good, it was really an instructive interview um, for that reason. That's awesome. Yeah. One of the most yeah. powerful stories I've ever heard was about a recurrence too. Like it was somebody very respected and, and high, you know, in the recovery community. And like, they're like, you know, I just had to get honest and be, you know, and it was just like one of those things that it's like, thank you because we are there's so many people dying that have been yeah. in recovery for a long period of time like the fact that you're able to say hey i you know this happened I, yeah. I think about that when i think about like in 12-step meetings that you know you hear the um a moment of silence for those that are still suffering and i, I there's people that suffer in those rooms oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah i know yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, I've been one of them at a time or two <laughs> throughout my yeah. almost eight years in recovery. I've been one of those suffering inside of those rooms a time or two, right? Because yeah. life was lifey and I, you know, forgot where my tools were and I was sitting in it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that happens. And I'm grateful to be connected to people's stories like that. To, uh, and the longer I am in recovery, the more I intimately understand that it's a day at a time and that the length of my recovery um, is no immunity to um, the, to your point, Ashley, and I like that term, recurrence of my disease. Mm-hmm. Well, Ashley is very. Ashley's very into the correct language. I like the non-stigmatizing language. Yeah, and while I think it'll take a while to, you know, continue to 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 like integrate into our everyday language, I'm really, really grateful that we're taking time to to begin to do that because, you know, in in looking at the stigma. You know, right now I, I'm trying to come up with different because my focus is on uh, on helping to change that stigma. And, you know, to do that, I have to look at where that stigma was born. And so much of it was born with our war on drugs and our new crime bills and where we criminalized, you know, drug users and addiction. And and that was happening in, in my lifetime, you know, we're in many lifetimes. And so, 
I am just really, really grateful that we are beginning to change that language because that's what changes people's hearts and to begin to make it easier for people to reach in and and in for treatment, you know, because we know that we have to shame ourselves to get and keep, uh, you know, drugs and addictions going. But you don't necessarily want to feel like you got to shame yourself to step into treatment or that you're going to be shamed. And that, I know, has, has really, it hurt me for a long time having to do that and that happening. Well, and I think what they're trying to do is like, you know, use the, the disease model is, you know, if you have cancer and cancer, come, you're, you come out of remission, you don't call mm-hmm. that a relapse of cancer. Like mm-hmm. relapse makes mm-hmm. it sound like it was a choice or, yeah. Yeah. so, you know, it's a recurrence of the disease there is that it's not in remission anymore. Is Absolutely. Of- and, and, and let me just say, if I may. Um, I, I, I hate the word overdose. I just hate it. And I know that, you know, there's a probably a variety of opinions on that, but, but it's so stigmatizing and it makes it again, the immediate thought is they on purpose took too much right. and therefore, um, they overdosed when yeah. in reality, most of the time, you weren't trying to take too much or so much that you were going to die. That wasn't the idea. It wasn't the plan. I wasn't trying to take too much. I wasn't trying to overdose. Right. And nowadays it's a poison supply. Poisoning. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Can we call it what it is? You got Mm -hmm. poisoned. You didn't overdose. You legit got poisoned. And with alcohol, when, when you're, you know, and that's alcohol poisoning. They call it poisoning. So what's right. the difference? Uh, there's not. Right. There's a not. Stigma. That's still the difference. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's the stigma. Because we didn't criminalize, you know, the, the drinking. We did not criminalize those things. We criminalized drugs, drugs and drug users. Absolutely. And that was that. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they use the, the non-stigmatizing language when it comes to suicide, too. Um, died by suicide is the correct term, or an incomplete suicide. Um, not committed, because committed, you committed a crime. You commit a crime, yes. Right, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Because it used to be a crime. Suicide used to be a crime in many yep. in many states, right? And so, right, they... they um, they committed, yeah, that's an interesting thing. Died by suicide. Uh, that's a much better way to say it. Because, yeah, I mean, so it's disease, you know. Suicide is a, you don't die. Suicide isn't what kills you. That's the result. Yeah. You, you, like, you know, like, it's depression. It's, what you know, whatever the case may be, depression is what killed you. Yeah. Yeah, it's feeling like there's no other that there's no other choice. Like this is my only option. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much is shifting. Like like the world is shifting, and I'll never stop <coughs> saying this: that the recovery community is positioned to continuously help this shift occur. You know, for a more humanitarian, a more enlightened society, a more enlightened, you know human way to live and 
Bravo, recovery community. Bravo. It's about recovering out loud, right? And when we recover out loud, we afford folks in and out of the recovery community to see what, as Jason's shirt says, what recovery looks like. It's true. And I'm just going to say this. If you're in the recovery community, remember you're representing what recovery looks like. So you can, if you're going to be loud and proud about it, you better know you're representing us all too. And if you, I don't want to say act like an idiot, like and treat people (laughs) badly, like that's the stigma that that comes across because you're being loud and proud. So if you're going to be loud and proud, think about that my sponsor would say that and i've heard that in the rooms is that you know you might be the only example of recovery somebody sees yeah 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 so don't be going to you know places and and you know say thank you you know be gracious like don't go and trash places that you go but you know like have you ever seen there's like groups that'll go and they'll like say restaurants and they'll leave where they're sitting looking ridiculous and and they met you know as a group together it's like yeah no waitress just knew your meeting for you know together as a group after you went to a meeting and stuff and they're gonna remember that they had to pick up stuff off the floor and all this stuff after the recovery people right. yeah 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 and they won't they won't use the word recovery that's the thing they won't use the word recovery after that that's not what it's good that's not what we're, you're gonna be called <laughs> made a bunch of addicts here yep exactly a bunch of ex-addicts yeah right yeah. yeah yeah it's bigger than us it's bigger than us you know i think all of us kind of kind of knew it to a, a certain extent when we started recovering out loud, you know, that was a absolutely something that I made a point in myself to, you know, to do that and recover out loud. And, and, you know, that's, that's such a great point, Ashley. That's what we have to do. Like we're called to do that. And I step in proudly, you know, like in so many different ways, you know, I, I'm grateful. I used to, I, I'm grateful that I get to do that in many different aspects of community you know i say that with trans people as well you know like don't let you know don't be the militant you know we don't have to be that militant and meet this with that you know like like love is an action love is all those things you know like walk in that in that love you know in yeah, any way you, shape or form if you're wearing a recovery shirt and you can afford to tip a little better than than just the typical tip and the waitress was good like is is that not destigmatizing if you give a better tip wearing a recovery shirt like because you know the stigma says yeah. oh i'm not going to get a very good tip yeah <laughs> right right yeah 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 no, i think that's instructive because it's truly uh so many simple little things affect this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in our daily walk, you know, even at work or whatever, you know, people attach that label to you and it's either going to be a good thing or it's going to be a joke. It's going to, or it's going to yep. be something that they mock you 
behind your back about like well, there's no, yeah there's no doubt and the whole idea of recovery is to bring it out into the world right like i need to bring it into my work i need to bring yeah. it into target <laughs> i need to bring it into um the gas station i need to bring it home right it's easy for me to be you know on the beam and spiritual and you know um uh, inside of a recovery meeting, right. you know, that's easy. Uh, mm-hmm. it, but bringing it out into the world when it, when life gets lifey, when I'm in a hurry and I got a million different things going on and, you know, work is a complete, is, you know, clown shoes, right? And, you know, um, and, and, and I have to wait an extra five minutes in line at the target, right? That's when, you know, the rubber meets the road yeah. for me from a recovery perspective, right? How am yeah. I going to treat that person? Yeah. How am yeah. I going to treat that person when, when I had that kind of day and work was absolute clown shoes and I've got a million things going on and I just want to go home and yeah. that's it. And, and, and how am I going to treat the person that, you know, has had a line of customers for hours and I had to wait an extra five or 10 minutes, right? Am I going to yeah. be an ass or am I going to be grateful um, uh, that they were there to be able to serve me? And am I going to be able to treat them with dignity and respect? True. I think, I think Pamela raises an interesting uh, perspective. She says, I think a lot of the old behaviors are habits sometimes too. Changing how you behave in public takes a conscious effort. And it's definitely, uh, you know, I think can be like that where you have to make a conscious effort. Like if my day is going awry or whatever, I might have to be more conscious of it. Uh, yeah. You know how I'm responding to things, but I honestly think that it's a natural byproduct of the work you put in on yourself. If you're willing to face your issues and, and you know, no matter what your pathway to do that might look like uh, if you really, uh, heal and and grow uh and you change your thoughts you know beliefs and attitudes then you just show up in the world different you just respond to the world different and it's like it's a natural byproduct of a you know a lot of uh inner work you know what i mean as well but definitely i have to have that conscious effort at times more than others <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that I have to have that conscious effort typically when the halt is going on for me am i hungry angry lonely tired and i always yeah. add an s to it stressed if any of those yeah. conditions exist or any combination of those conditions exist i'm much more prone to the revert back to old counterproductive yeah. thought and behavior patterns because um i uh, that is that that is just true for me, right? If I haven't eaten in too long, I'm more likely to be crabby. Okay? So do you uh, say it halts or shalt? So, so let's take this step further. And you're saying you have to tell yourself to treat the person right when you're, you know. And how about if you take a second and you let the person that's complaining behind you go in front of you? And you 100%. wait an extra couple seconds. 
Yeah. That's work. Yeah. There's your work right Just there. In the back, like uh, you had an episode, Jason, recently, and the, you know we talked about parking in the back, and I do that all the time, right? Yeah. Um, I park way in the back of every parking lot I ever park in because um, I have two perfectly working legs, and uh, uh, there's plenty of people that um, uh, absolutely need to be closer for a variety of different reasons, and I'm not one of those people. And so I make that conscious effort to park in the back on a regular basis. And now it's just habit. Like I park in the back on every, uh, um, with rare exception. Today I did not because I took my fiance to the doctor uh, to get something. Uh, uh, I'm not going to overshare on that, but just know <laughs> that I didn't park in the back for a good reason this morning at the doctor with my fiance. For her. But, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to lie. Full transparency. I, always look for the closest damn parking spot and my mom you know she had a one of those placards the you know handicap placard that you hang up on your no jason don't tell us don't no i know where this is going and i have used it before jason no i know i'm horrible I've used it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm horrible. I have a, I have work to do, you guys. I mean, it's okay. We sure admitting it. That's definitely... uh, you know, before you before anybody judges, don't think you didn't think about doing that yourselves. Okay, like we've all thought it. Okay, we've all thought it. To, you guys, I'm gonna have to get off because I need to put my kids to bed. But it's been great being on. All right. See you, Ashley. Love Bye. You, Ashley. Bye, Ashley. Thank you for coming. Yes. Yes, I've you got know, a big work day tomorrow. I'll have to go soon, though. But uh, I, you guys are the best, man. I'm <laughs> great. Dude, I love how I just put myself on blast. There's probably so many it. people. So many people are going to see that and be like, judge, judging. Yes. They can't judge you, Jason. Let oh, me tell man. you why. Because your authenticity is just. Dude, I. That. Like, you can't. That is. Too real, too honest, and like you can't, you can't judge a true heart. You just can't. Like how J Charlie was just saying, like we've all thought about it. I legit was like that, like when I was with my mom for a hundred days last winter, uh, with the continuous in-home care. I drove everywhere, and we brought that thing everywhere, and it got left behind in my car. And one of them, because she had more than one. And yeah. I mean, it just was like a light bulb moment, you know, like I was like, because we do think about that kind of stuff. Like, I wish I had one of those things because there's nowhere to park here. And then I'm like, oh, ding, ding, ding. I have one of those things. <laughs> so. so. Now, you've now you've come clean, Jason. You don't you feel so much better now? <laughs> I feel unburdened. <laughs> well, Charles, I hope that we get we're gonna have to get you back on because I know Brett and Jr. Yeah, really, really want to meet you. And uh, yeah, you know we're on the rare occasions. You know, like some people, we just we we love their energy, and we're like. You know, like LC, for instance, recently, you know, 
Like he did Brett's show, he did our show, I did his show, Brett did his show. We all did a panel thing on his show. So it was like a lot of interaction. And then we asked him, like, would you be willing to like maybe step in as co-host sometimes people somebody can't make it? And of course he said, Yeah, you know, yeah. And now he had to fucking be Brett. You did by the way, Elsie, I think you did that to yourself because the other time when we were when we were on and you were saying you need a Brett. I needed a Brett. So now your higher power said, no, motherfucker, you're going to learn how to be Brett. You would think that I'd be used to this by now because that's what happens to me every time. Right. Like you ask for patience and then you got to go through some crazy shit and try to be every patient. Time. Yeah. Every time. I, I, I know you. Brett really Brett really was bummed about not being able to be here tonight. He really was. I mean, you know, I know this is exciting to him. So, Charlie, you got to come back. You got to be here love with to. Brett because he's got to be able to have this, this moment too, man. Pamela, it was like awesome for coming. Thank you, Pamela. She's just yeah. saying great show to us and stuff oh, and I just wanted to let coming. it was tremendous and uh, it would be an honor to come back on so absolutely hell yeah bro outstanding all right do you know how to do the outros and stuff i i think i do brett gave me the deal and we're gonna we're gonna be previewing or premiering my my own personal youtube outro that i made for you guys but you're gonna do that last right like at the end yeah, I'm going to do that, and then I'll do thanks for watching, and then we'll be out of here. And the we got to plug the, we gotta plug the right. podcast. So, yeah, Charlie, he told me. Charlie, don't, you, don't we have a podcast? I'm going to let you yes. do it this time, buddy. Uh, all right. So, okay. What, do you, what about, are you going to let me, please? You're going to plug our show right now. Right, Tell people right. about it. All right. Well, you know, uh, we do this podcast. It's called The Way Out Podcast, and what we do is uh, – uh, on the regular, we share powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics to jumpstart or re-energize your Ooh. recovery. And so Ooh. you get to um, one episode at a time, listen to folks' journeys to and through recovery to this point, sharing um uh, uh, a plethora of recovery truth and spiritual truth and uh and uh it's it's amazing we lift up all pathways to recovery we're big proponents of lifting up all pathways to recovery so um give a listen and uh if you like it share it with your friends yeah hey where and don't forget about the and don't forget about the Way Out playlist. It's only on Spotify, but it's a curated list of songs that symbolize recovery to all our amazing guests. It's on Spotify. It's same logo you see on your screen, but it's called the Way Out playlist. And you can go to wayoutcast.com, wayoutcast.com, and that will get you the ability to play the episodes there. Or you can find it on your favorite podcast platform we're on all of them everyone good job charles great job charles great job charles and before we go let's remember that brett has an amazing podcast called recovery survey 
I've had the honor of being on both of those amazing podcasts. Got a long episode coming out on the way out pretty soon with me, LC, with these amazing guys. And you can catch Brett's podcast recovery survey on all your major podcast platforms. Bite-sized chunks of recovery. That's uh, what Brett says. Bite-sized chunks of recovery. Man, see, I'm going to get to be good at being Brett. He's like, there's smaller doses, little bite-sized chunks of recovery. You sound like it. And then LC has... Morsels, really. Yes, morsels. Uh, they melt morsels. in your mouth, not in your hand. <laughs> LC has his own podcast as well. It's called Recovery Soul Food. We actually play his live streams every Saturday night here on Recovery Revolution. Uh, what time is that at, LC? 8 p.m. every Saturday night. And coming up on December 31st will be our last episode for Season 4. And it's going to be a live Q&A session with me LC, so everybody show up, bring your questions. If it's about recovery, spirituality, I don't care if it's, you know, whatever it's about, religion, being transgender, I don't really care. Bring your questions, come to learn, get something, you know, like, let's just have a great discussion. That's Put them on the hot seat. Put them on the hot seat. I'm ready to get on it. I'm ready to get on it. Season six is going to be amazing. Got some new Hell stuff yeah. coming up. Guys, this has been an amazing night. Thank you all yes. so much. Thank you, everybody Thank who's you. watching. Everybody who watches on the replay, this is one of the greatest families on the entire internet happening right here. Brett, Ashley, Jr., Jason, Charlie, and me, LC. Until next time, we'll see you then. Bye, guys. <laughs>